Hey guys, brand new podcast, and it's a good one. Nick Thune came in hot this morning, and uh, and I was firing hot too. And we started laughing immediately. We stopped because <laughs> Nick got up and grabbed a bottle of vodka. And was like, you might have to take a pull off this. I'm feeling a little shaky from last night. <laughs> and I was like, I don't mind if I do. And so we killed a bottle of bourbon, of Booker's, and uh, and... And Nick had some Kettle One, and we had a great conversation. He's doing a tour coming up. Uh, well, I'll talk to you about. I'll talk about it when uh, when I introduce him. But real quick, this podcast is brought to you by Blue, Blue Apron. Apron, our favorite uh, recipe and food delivery service in the in in the it's number one in the country. But it's fucking it is awesome for us. We love this, and I and I'm being serious. If you have a family, Ari was just talking the other day about he just uses it by himself. But it really does bring our family closer together. Uh, today, tonight we had a pasta with meatballs, and the girls never let us put their meatballs in the sauce, ever, as long as we've had them. But if it's Blue Apron approved, the girls do it. This And it was a fantastic. Georgia asked if she could have it in her lunch tomorrow. Isla, I made chicken noodle soup yesterday, and uh, Isla said, this is great. Is this Blue Apron? I was like, no, it's your dad. And she was like, oh, it tastes like Blue Apron. Um, <laughs> it really is. It really is like we're gonna, we're starting to call dinner Blue Aprons. What are we having for Blue Apron tonight? It's really kind of great. Uh, and it's they say a family that cooks together stays together. That's what they say. Cooking builds strong family bonds. And by the way, it's cheap. It's under ten bucks per person for for everyone and so we're saving money i went to gelson's to get that chicken noodle soup stuff and it was through the freaking roof and then to think for 40 bucks i probably spent 70 bucks on chicken noodle soup recipe ingredients um but you did make a vat of soup i did make a way overcooked it was a vat i way overcooked it's a cauldron and that's the great thing about blue apron is you cook they give you exact right amount of food that's right the food is responsibly raised animals beef chicken and pork the produce is uh farmed from Regenerative farming. The seafood is sourced from the standards developed in partnership with the Monterey Bay Sea Aquarium. Watch. It's true. I fucking love Blue Apron. I talk about them when I do other people's podcasts. That's how much I love Blue Apron. It's affordable. You get brand, you get tons of variety. It's flexible. Blue Apron has several delivery options so you can choose what fits your needs. And there's no weekly commitment. You only get deliveries when you want them. It is easy. It is fresh. I love them. It's delicious. It's delicious. We are uh, pot committed, this family. So check out this week's menu and get your first three meals free. What, what, what do they have coming up? Ooh, spinach and fresh mozzarella pizza with olives and bell peppers and ricotta salad, salada. Sweet and sour salmon with bok choy. By the way, bok choy is fucking awesome. Yeah. I love, and I got introduced to by cooking with bok choy from Blue Apron. Parmesan crusted chicken with creamy fettuccine and roasted broccolini. Broccolini? Just broccoli. Baby broccoli. They're, by the way, they also we we quartered this. They did this one meal, and they said quarter the broccoli, and it was fucking phenomenal. And roasted Cooking, at four seventy five. Four seventy five, and we were like, shit, we've been fucking doing our broccoli wrong this whole time. Totally. Um, and what I do, just a little sidebar, if you're if you're trying to stay low carbs and you get some of the rice, I just make the girls rice, and then I just mash up some uh, rice up some cauliflower and use that as my rice. I love this baby broccoli with fun. Tina P. 
paninis, and hard-boiled egg, and arugula salad. Those are the meals coming up. So check out this week's menu and get your first three meals for free with free shipping. That's free food, free shipping. Go to blueapron.com slash BurtCast. You will love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron, so don't wait. Go to blueapron.com slash BurtCast. Three free meals with free shipping. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Today's podcast is also brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Are you hiring? Do you know where to post your jobs to find the best candidates? Posting your job in one place isn't enough to find quality candidates. If you want to find the perfect hire, you need to post your job on all the top job sites. And now you can. With ZipRecruiter.com, you can post your job to 100 plus job sites, including social media networks like Facebook and Twitter, all with a single click. Find candidates in any city or industry nationwide. Just post once and watch your qualified candidates roll into ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use interface. No juggling emails or calls to the office. Quickly screen candidates and rate them and hire them the right person fast. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by Fortune 100 companies and thousands of small and medium-sized businesses. And right now, my listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash BurtCast. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash BurtCast. One more time, to try it for free, go to ZipRecruiter.com slash BurtCast. I'm telling you, I, I think BurtCast, I think... ZipRecruiter is fantastic. I am posting a – when I'm looking for my – I'm not ready to look for my assistant, but I'm going to post it on ZipRecruiter, and that's how we'll find it. So we'll we'll be using this product that we believe in. They support the podcast. I'll, I'll, I, I think that's what we're going to do. I'm going to look for my assistant. When, when we talk about this in the podcast, me and Nick do, that he uh, has an office space, and he works with another guy. And I'm always having a hard time finding people to do – graphic design work for me to do posters to do artwork I, I i just got a guy to help me with shooting and editing we got a new thing coming out but uh when i'm ready when i'm ready to do this and i think it'll be may i'm gonna put it on zip recruiter and we'll all find these people on zip recruiter and I, and and it's gonna be fantastic sounds great yeah today's podcast is fantastic real quick tour dates uh, Calgary this weekend, Yuck Yucks, 27th, 28th, 29th, Detroit sold out, Cincinnati Funny Bone, it's actually Liberty Township Funny Bone, the 5th and 6th, and that technically, oh no, and then I have Crapshoot Comedy Festival the 19th of May, followed by Bisbee the 20th, Hawaii, I'm going to be in the Blue Note in Honolulu the 31st of May, and then Cobb's Comedy Club, those tickets are going fast, the 9th and 10th of June. Sacramento sold out. I think they're adding another show. Um, Kansas City Improv, the U.S. Opens that week. Orlando Improv, I will be doing Tom and Dan. I've got some exciting news to share with you guys uh, that I will be um, telling you soon. But, uh, yeah, today's podcast is a fucking burner. I love it. Uh, Nick came in hot, and we had a few drinks, and it was 10 in the morning, and the conversation was so fucking seamless. Um, It's a great interview. I know you're going to love it. That's a seven-minute intro. It's a little long for you guys, I know. But whatever. They've been longer. They've been a lot longer. Um, that's it. Am I missing anything, Leanne? I don't think so. I had a great time this weekend at the at uh, 
at the Wild West Comedy Festival. I want to thank everyone involved. Um, I hung out with Ari. That's right, guys. I got eyes on Ari. If you're wondering, he's changed. He seems numb to the business. I think he was gone too long. I think he. I think he lost the quickening. He was. Uh, we did some shows together. He was funny as fuck. Nate Barkatsky was funny as fuck. I've got some podcasts backloaded. I got Mickey Ward is a really good one. We're drinking on that one. Um, Lindsay Pellis is coming out soon. I had a technical difficulty with some of the audio, and I had to send it to someone to fix it. So that one's coming out. You won't notice it. He just sent me a cut of what it was, and he was like, it's perfect, seamless. So that's going to be a great one. And uh, Mark Norman coming up, Al Madrigal coming up. All great ones. Big Joey Diaz and I have been talking, always playing phone tag about doing one, and we our schedules just never mash up. Let's get this motherfucker started. Holy shit, Bert! Finally, good God, you're gonna love this podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Comedian, actor, and I'll post a picture on my Instagram of him so that you know what he looks like. Because everyone's like, "Hey, man, it would be cool if you just said what they showed a picture what they look like, so I could see them." I got videos, so I'll post the video of this too. All right, I'm off to Calgary. I love you guys. Uh, today's podcast, Nick Thune. This is control. Here, grab a seat. Yeah, yeah, right next to the, right next to the. Um, I'm fucking. I'm the one having a hard time with it. Yeah, it's just killing me. I was in Nashville this weekend, and I'm just like, and it's, I don't know, you know, it's, I, I think I also let myself get away from myself, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I think partying doesn't help, but then I get on the road, and I'm like, what am I going to do? Am I really going to just go to bed? Like, I, 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 like, I never understood that. So girl was telling me one time, he's like, yeah, I just go home and gotta go to sleep after the show. I'm like, what the fuck's wrong with you? I have that intent sometimes where I'm like... You know yeah. what? Thursday night, you got radio in the morning. Talk just go the, back. Talk into the mic. Oh, make check, sure, test, make sure test. On. Okay, yeah, yeah, that, that's perfect. I'll be like, you know, Thursday night, you get, just got to town, you had a good show. Those are always my favorite shows. Thursday's my favorite night easily because I'm it's... I'm having allergies, by the way, so I'm going to sound like I've got... It's fucking insane out, the, out I've there. I've never had allergies in my life. I'm 37 all of a sudden. Really? Yeah. They say it's the worst year in pollen, like, uh, in pollen history. <laughs> <laughs> this, this this year is the worst. Do you get the feeling like I get the feeling like allergy conversations are only like white people talk about that? Like my gardener's probably never been like, yeah, man, my my the pollen's been bad this year. I've huh? talked to a black guy about bee allergies before. Bee allergies. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking great. <laughs> um. Yeah, Thursday nights are the best because they're relaxed and it's one show. I can do one show any night. That's of the all week. I ever want to do. That's what I'm doing on this tour coming up. Yeah, what's the tour? It's just called Proud of Myself, but yeah. it's just me going from here to Chicago. I actually just went. I was just. Uh, it's in May. <laughs> it's nickthune.com for tickets, but um, it's it's really fun. It's all rock clubs. Because yeah. I've found that if I do an extended tour like this where it's just like three weeks and you're doing it, my, only my fans come to those shows and it makes it fun. Like, you know, yeah. like p- only people that know what they're getting into and are excited about it rather than like going and stopping in a comedy club where maybe half to a quarter of the room doesn't know who the fuck I am and what oh. I'm doing there. And so these shows are just a treat. And, and on the way here, I stopped by Moshe Kasher's house. I, love, I haven't seen his new show, but I love the promo for it. 
Oh, it's great. Yeah, it's, the show is totally him too. It's yeah. perfect. I gotta see it. I, I've been I've been sleeping on Comedy Central shows. I haven't like I just forget to DVR them, and so they're yeah. not in my thing. I, that'll be one I got to do today. Yeah, I think there's like Detroiters, which people really like. It. Yeah, the um, I saw one episode that was really funny. I think that guy's funny. We're we're uh, we're big. Um, we're big. It it's funny. Our TV watching is di- de- dictated by what we can watch as a family together because that's like our, our hangout time. So we are big uh, into the Mick, into the Mick, the show that's no, not this is not the Nick. No, the no, no, no. Do you know that Nick. show? Yeah, that's that is, not, <laughs> that is about uh, it's about uh, doctors in the eighteen hundreds. Yeah, yeah. Nick, no. <laughs> They're like doing heroin and shit. It's it's the testing Mick. out drugs on themselves. It's uh it's the girl Caitlin Olson. Oh, on she's Fox. awesome. It's yeah. fucking so good. That, that show got picked up. Angie Tribeca. Is there any Kleenex in here? Uh, I feel like your listeners are going to be like, God, he was nasally the whole time. But I bet I could really get rid of it with. I could go out there and just toot one out. Yeah, toot one out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That is perfect. That's right the first time that's ever happened on the podcast. <laughs> right on your kid's swing. Um, no, that and Angie Tribeca, that's ours. What? Yeah. Yeah, give me a pull, too. You want to get a cocktail? You want, like, a little cocktail? Let's make a cocktail. Use a fucking cocktail. All right, let's, let's go back. <laughs> yeah. All right, we both have cocktails in our hands. Yeah, what I was saying, though, is that Moshe has a... Well, Moshe and Natasha live together. Yeah. Because they're married. married. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which I think is so cool that they're doing that, you know, living together. Yeah, that's a, it's a very novel. I would imagine them having two separate houses. Just I could totally that. see that. Yeah. I could totally see that. One being like, like I, I would be. One being totally orthodox. <laughs> and one, and the, other one, <laughs> the other one having like a maid service. <laughs> um, what did you do? Did you drink last night? Oh, yeah, last night. Well, I just went out and had Italian with my wife, and we just drank, like, a lot of wine. I haven't had wine. Then I had, I, like, a gin martini, which you, you just don't – you don't throw that in after wine. I do. My uncle taught me. <laughs> my uncle, when I first started going – I always go eat, martini first. I, that's Okay, yeah. My uncle always said, uh, we start off with a martini. Always start off with a martini. Then we'll have wine. Mm-hmm. And then I will throw a martini. If everyone's getting dessert, I'll be like, you know what? Let me have a nightcap. I'll get a martini at the end of the day. <laughs> And everyone's like, good Fucking God. I love martinis. Oh, I remember the first one I had. It was my birthday. And I had one and I thought, how, how did I not know about these? I love this. <laughs> There's olives in there. And, and so I think I had. I, yeah, I, had, I love olives. <laughs> I think I had four of them. <laughs> <laughs> and my wife just a few weeks ago showed me the picture of me on the, on the floor in the bath sleep <laughs> on a sleeping bag. Can I tell you? <laughs> Which is how you spend your 25th birthday always. <laughs> when I was when I was when I was 20 22 years old, I was in my our house on Amelia Circle in Tallahassee and my buddy Ben uh Seberg goes, "Hey, let's get drunk tonight." And I was like, "Well, what's going on?" And he was like, "Nothing. Let's just me and you just go get a bottle and get drunk." And I went, "Okay." So we went up to the liquor store. 
We came back and we just started making gin and tonics and sitting there. And I had that realization. Hey, why don't I do this more often? <laughs> this is great. You so mean we can fun. we can just go to the store and get whatever we want at any time of the day, and then yeah, just take a night off. Yeah. <laughs> Well, what, that's why. Well, my, my my good friend Ben Kronberg, who will open for me, or he's he's his own headliner, but sometimes he'll come out on the road just to hang, you yeah. know. And um, sometimes he'll be like, before the show, he's like, "Hey, I really want to tie one on tonight." I'm like, "Oh, all right, cool." <laughs> <laughs> I guess I will be too then. <laughs> it's such a great feeling when someone's like, "Hey, man, you want to get drunk?" Yeah, good call. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now nah, let's do that. Oh, it's so fucking funny. I've gotten really good. I, I was trying to think the other day, the last time I've been on stage out of little out of control. Yeah. It's been a long time. Oh, I haven't. I, I've like headlining wise, you know, like where you, I, cause I, I remember a couple times like 15 minutes into the set where I was like, oh my God, I, I'm fucking drunk. <laughs> I'm fucking drunk. 15 minutes into the set. <laughs> just... Hey, I'm fucking hammered. <laughs> my mind and it's like okay buddy you can do this you got 30 more minutes that's all that you required yeah and let's just get out of here and yeah. carry on with this <laughs> i i the last time i was drunk on stage it's been a while it's but it happened recently but i i was i love when i shock people that i'm not drunk like uh uh my agent or one of my agent two of my agents technically and uh and the owners of zany's nashville and the 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 guy producing the entire festival are all in the green room getting ready for like and I'm about to go on stage mm-hmm. and I'm not drinking and and there's a cocktail I'm waiting to take it on stage with me and and uh, Brian Dorfman goes look at your self control he goes I'm so amazed and I was like oh yeah but the second I get out there it's shots and fucking yeah and I only had one show it was so great one show is at Zany's yeah God I had a great show last time I was there it was me Nate. Rory and Jay Larson all in one show for the festival. Oh and fuck! Fucking Jack White was in the audience, and Are it was just me? like I crushed. I walked off stage, and Nate had to go first, and he was stressed because he had to rush to another show. We had two shows back to yeah. back, and Nate like came off. He's like, "Oh, it's not a good crowd." And then <laughs> Rory introduced me, and I went out and just boom! It was one of those <sighs> hammer drops where you walk off and you're just like. Fuck, man. Yeah. I love it. I forgot. 20 minutes with my buds? Like, because just four friends doing 20 minutes each is like, that's like. It's a dream. That's the dream job. Yeah. I, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I've been trying to put together a tour my whole fucking life because I love that. I love going out with comics. I love going up and tagging and going back and forth. And it was so much fun. It was me, Sean Patton, Ari, and Nate Bargatze this weekend. Yeah. And I was like, and I love. Nate Borgasi might be one of the funniest human beings alive. Oh, he's so funny. We watched. Uh, we went. Then we all went and saw Angela Johnson perform, and then we all went and saw Larry the Cable Guy perform <laughs> in one night. It, yeah, <laughs> no, that's the next night. Oh, it was okay. fucking awesome. Is that how it? Yeah, because you we were supposed to meet, and you're like, I'm staying in Nashville next yeah, night. Yeah, you just threw in an extra night. Well, I tried to. I yeah, I I, tr- I, I had good intentions of spending some quality time with Ralphie, but uh, they didn't pan out. Was Was Ralphie not there? No, he was. But uh, he just he his back was hurting. So, yeah, he I had the great moment with Ralphie recently where I was in Toronto. No, no, Montreal. And there's this place called Joe Beef, which if you're ever in Montreal, I, mean, I think I know Joe Beef. Getting yeah. into Joe Beef is almost impossible. OK, I know Joe Beef. Yeah. Ari and I tried to go there. <clears throat> yeah. So I I was with um, these two guys that like work at Amazon and my friend that's a writer. And we walk up and this guy that works at Amazon is like the head of development. 
And so he's like, I'll just have my assistant call and we'll just get in. It's not a problem. Yeah. No, could not get in. It's for really. This guy, Joe, walked out. He's like, yeah, we're done. And then all of a sudden, Ralphie May walks out. And I'm like, hey, Ralphie and like Tony Hinchcliffe. I'm like, what's up, man? He's like telling me what to order. And I'm like, oh, we unfortunately, we don't have a you know reservation. He's like, hold on. And Ralphie walked in and then he came out and he said, now you do. And he got his waitress. I don't know if he gave her money. I don't know what. She was off after him. Yeah. She got her to stay for us. So she, like an extra staff member, just hung out. $1,200 meal that me and these other three dudes put down. A whole bot, two bottles of wine at least, multiple martinis, you know, and also like digestifs also, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Those are the best. But they have a trout farm on the property. So, like, we were eating trout that they just pulled out. And, Shut the fuck and, up. And, like, we didn't order any food. We just said, bring us the stuff. That's my favorite thing in the world to do. That is the That's greatest. That's how you spend $1,200. Bucks. That is the greatest <laughs> thing you ever do. That is uh, my favorite thing in the world. And here's what I love, too, is because I'm a talent, a comedian. Yeah. And I was with people from Amazon. In the end, it was kind of like, well, I guess Amazon has to... Kind of get the tab on with this. this bill. Yeah, in case you guys want to work with me someday. Yeah, in case you guys <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to put me in the hole 1200 <laughs> We went to... Hey, let's we, have the comedian buy this. No. Yeah. The oh. executives every time. We went to uh, <laughs> we went to Fleetwoods in Maui, and mm. I told them I was famous. I called up and I said, yeah, can I get a reservation? I'm famous. And they were like... Uh, who are you? And I was like, my name's Bert Kreiser. And they're like, yeah, we're all packed. And I was like, oh, I go, how about just at the regular restaurant? You want to eat up top? And they're like, yeah, we can get you into the regular restaurant. So we get there and then I go, and I said to the guy, I said, when I got there, I go, yeah, I have a reservation under famous. And she goes, okay. And I said, it's just kidding. It's Bert Kreiser. She's not getting my joke at all. So then she goes, oh, oh yeah, yeah. We got you upstairs. I went, oh, I thought we were. Did space open up upstairs? She goes, apparently. So we go, we go past all the tables, and then we get to our table, and there's like a tablecloth, and there's flat rose petals all over it, and she's like, uh, and then she's like, hey, the the chef just wanted to give you a little tasting this and, and a champagne to start your meal, and I'm like, what the fuck? Oh, that's the best. And then I'm like, so then the chef, he's like, the chef would like to meet you. This is, by the way, so relatable to the audience. Yeah, and the chef comes out, and he goes, <laughs> he's like, uh, he's like, dude, uh, big fan of your podcast, big fan of the Travel Channel shit. And I was like, really? And he goes, yeah. And then my buddy Tom is is really rich, and he's like, not screw up, but my buddy Tom is really rich. And, and he goes, uh, he goes, you know what? Just make it, like, make it whatever, like whatever you want to make us, bring it out, like just uh-huh. a sampling, you know? So it's my favorite thing in the world. And we're like, this is going to be twelve hundred bucks, easy. And then he comes out and he's like, Mick Fleetwood picked it up. And I was like, what? And then the chef and the manager are like, you have no idea what a niche like little market is your fans is just us two. And we know who you are. So we call Mick Fleetwood. You're sitting at his private table. He's paying for the whole bill. But he goes, you should have heard us try to explain to Mick Fleetwood that you're famous. What a podcast <laughs> is. <laughs> what a podcast is. It was the greatest oh. thing, man. I, I, that, and it's a great restaurant. I love it. Last night there was a, a a waitress hovering around our table, and and I'm so oblivious to anyone ever recognizing me if they don't say it. You know, I don't ever think that it's I'm happening. the exact opposite. I just I'm, think people, people like oh, look, look at, at me, and I go hi. <laughs> I always think they're just like, oh, this is a handsome gentleman. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's how yeah. cocky I am. But the last night, my and my wife is the one that always has to tell me like, yeah, that waitress is hovering because she is obsessed with you, and I'm like. 
I'm, I just think she probably just thinks I'm handsome. I don't think yeah. she knows who yeah. I am. <laughs> you no, know, then turns out she's like, I just want to say I'm from Seattle. I'm like, oh yeah, well, okay. of course. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wait, can I, that's where, my market. Where are you living right now? In Glendale. Where are you? you are you going to Seattle often? Uh, well, you know, family and shit. With the lake? On my, I think on my Twitter it says that I live on like Deschutes River in Central Oregon. No, no. It, I swear to God, like t- a week ago, your dad was in town? Yeah. Is that your house? Yeah, yeah. Okay, but you go up to visit him up there often? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That looks so enjoyable. Oh, my God. I'm so what jealous. What a fucking train wreck of a weekend that was. What was it? Because my what? uncle came up. I mean, and, you know, we, my, me and my dad have a tendency to tie one on together. Yeah. Um, all the women go to sleep. And then me and my dad, like my mom on the next morning, she'll be like, you guys were giggling for three hours outside my window. Shut up. <laughs> my, my, so you have a good relationship with your dad? Oh, yeah, yeah. And, but my uncle went to go pee over on the side of my house and he tripped and broke his pinky, which he just sent me a picture. He's a veteran. So he went to the VA and they gave him a cast. It goes all the way to his fucking elbow, this cast. Are you serious? He broke his pinky. <laughs> but... The problem was is that when he when he fell, I laughed for about thirty minutes straight. Yeah. Even though he was seriously injured <laughs> because the thought of him pissing and breaking his pinky. Oh. But we were telling these stories and it's funny, like I don't know if you have this, but I, I tend to sometimes think I've made things up in my head mm. about my childhood. Of- of my dad says consistently that I make make stuff up about my childhood. But so this is what I do now is I I, I confirm stories with my dad when, when we were when we've been drinking I'll be like yeah. okay did this happen? Did wait do you have a brother or sister? Two younger brothers and a younger sister. Close yeah. in age. My sister's a, a Irish twin, about a year younger than me. and My brothers are five years younger. Okay, my sister and I said the other day, the other day I said to my dad I said do you remember when you had the van? In my book I wrote about it. He had a van and he goes I never had a, va- a van. I go, you definitely had a fucking van. He goes, I never had a van. He goes, buddy, you make stuff up constantly. And I go, no, that's, I'm not making this up. I go, dad, I, you had a van, and I used to sit on your lap, and I could do the blinker. And he's like, there's no way in fucking hell I drove around town with you sitting on my lap and doing the blinker. And then my sister goes, what are you guys talking about? And I go, Annie, that one you just met. I go, do we have a van? She goes, we definitely had a fucking van. I go, there's no way we both made that up. And he's like, yeah, you used to let us sit on your lap and do the blinker. I go, that's too fucking weird that we would both make up that. And my dad's like, no way. That never happened. That See, that's the opposite, whereas I don't believe a story because I did some fucked up shit as a kid. Like what? Well, here we go. So my sister's best friend um, at school... It would be so great if you like, I held her down and raped her one night. <laughs> yeah. My dad did confirm that did happen. <laughs> well, two stories that I confirmed that we had never talked about that because they were pretty dark. Like one of them was that my sister, uh, they found a, a used condom under my sister's bed when I was in high school. And they'd obviously blame my sister for it, who was not, it was not hers. And the fact that yeah. I like not only at the at the time had the state of mind like first of all didn't know you could flush them yeah, yeah. <laughs> no what do I yeah well because you, you can't put it in the trash can no. someone's gonna see it you yeah. gotta hide it and I didn't know flushing was an option and so just yeah, hide it under her bed throw her under the bus oh. my mom found it accused her you know anyway in the end it was obviously me and what a fucked up thing to do but the funniest one was I shit in a box and gave it to my dad for his birthday. At my sister's best friend's parents' house, who were just having us over for a birthday dinner, 
And oh, <laughs> upstairs in their house, I'd found a shoebox in her mom's closet. This is how deep it went. Like they were like, "Wait, did you root through our closets and <laughs> found a shoebox?" And then shit in it in the bathroom. Wrapped it. Found wrapping paper. Holy god! And then it smelled so fucking bad that I sprayed her mom's perfume all over. <laughs> It's like sunflower or whatever the perfume was. And then just kind of mixed in with the presents. And then it was time to open the presents. And I mean, there was definitely something afoul in the room. I mean, it didn't, it didn't smell right. Yeah. Remember my dad looking at me and saying, should I, do you really, Nick, should I really open this? I said, yeah, it's, it's kind of, it's just a joke. And he opened it and it's just, yeah, it's my shit in a fucking box. Probably a little pee too. And it was just in the car immediately gone. Never went to those people's house again. Like parents so embarrassed. And, you know, he's saying all of this and he's like, and he's saying it to this in the sense of how horrible I am and was, but then I go, let me just, where do you think I maybe learned that? Yeah. And then it came back to my dad had, uh, taken one of my brother's dirty diapers as a kid and put it in my uncle's suit jacket pocket. Right before he was leaving to go back to San Diego on a oh. flight. And then he got home and obviously this suit, his whole fucking bag smelled like shit. Yeah. And that was like a big joke and I helped him do it. And I was like, so maybe... Oh, dude. There do you was... think these things that you taught me to do, like maybe played in how I thought you would have loved me shitting in a box? That makes sense. <laughs> yeah, it makes I can connect the dots. I, shitting was my go-to joke for a very long time. You know what for me pulling out pubes was? Really? At school, when some like the guy next to me would go to the bathroom, I just yank out as many pubes as I could and put it on his paper. Oh, that's funny. And then just kind of sit back and wait for him to wonder wh- why. That's so. Funny. <laughs> why would he do that? <laughs> I love the the thing I love most about this podcast is sharing a secret with the listeners that I've never told anyone, and this is something I have never even told my wife. My go-to. Was I'm obsessive compulsive about flossing. I floss. I floss maybe thirty times a day. I floss nonstop. I've been like that my whole life. I think because I have veneers, so if something gets caught in between them, it really it's like painful. Yeah. My go-to. I can't believe I'm sharing this. Is I would pull out a pubic hair and floss with a pubic hair. <laughs> <laughs> like if I couldn't find a piece of paper or something, I'd just be like, "Fuck it." Ah! Are they? <laughs> My hair, it's sturdier than regular head so, hair. It's long, too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, back you know, in high school, mine were long because I, I, wasn't, I wasn't shaving back yeah, then. I, I stopped shaving altogether. My wife stopped shaving. You like, don't trim? No, nah, I used to. I did recently because I lost weight, so I shaved my balls for the first time in a long time. Because when, you, when you're fat, you just can't see your balls, so you can't shave them. I've never shaved them. You've never shaved your balls? I'd be so scared to cut them. Wait, so you just trim? Wait, hold on. The balls are the most important part of shaving, in my opinion. When I what I do is I trim them with a um, a, a thing, but I just get them Clippers. as close as I can. Yeah, I don't want to. Oh yeah, yeah. I've perfected balls trimming. Like you get like if you especially if you get them like a little cold, so they're nice up and up there, <laughs> and then just and then just almost like like a like. What, have you ever seen a black dude shave a black dude's beard? No, it's. It, like, <laughs> I had a black mean, yeah, guy, I had a black guy trim my beard one time. Oh, I goes, t- I, yeah. let me tighten you up. And that. what he did is he just went like at the length he like he didn't touch my face, but he had clippers and he was just like kind of like shaping it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I do that with my balls, and so yeah. 
My, my, can I tell you what I did one time? So that's what I do. I get as close as I can with a clipper, but I don't go against them. I go razor then. Yeah, shaving cream razor. Um, I did, I'll tell you what I did was genius. Genius is uh, I took my I took my pubic hair. I shaved it down to like a four, maybe even a six. I can't remember the real length. That's but- what my son- that's what I say. Give him a six on top and a three on the sides. I do that to my balls. I go six on top, three on the sides. And so I trim it down. And then I took – this is when I lived in New York. I took a magic marker and drew a sunrise. So the sun would be at the base of my dick, the sun, and then the beams were coming out, going up and out. And then I drew that. And then I took clippers and I shaved everywhere around where I drew and I washed it off and it looked like a fucking sunrise. It was so – and I – and by the way, it was the e- – I haven't had sex with a lot of chicks, but that was week was one of them. And it was just a groundbreaker. It was like an icebreaker. People laugh? I, sh- I did it at a party. Let's show you. I want to see – yeah. I go, you guys want to see something hilarious? And I show everyone my pubes. Everyone laughs hysterically. I, I, I cleared it with chicks. You know, and I'm not like fucking take a look at my dick. Yeah. But I, I don't show them – I just show them the pubes. Everyone laughs. And then that later that night, there was a girl that were in, in her back at her place. She goes, I want to see him one more time. And I was like, oh, my God. And then she goes, no, wait, keep it like that. And was like talking. I'm like, oh, my God, my dick's out practically. Oh, this is a great icebreaker. And then the other time was when I got a full-blown Brazilian wax. I got a full-blown ass wax. And this girl wanted to see it and feel it. And I was like, game changer. I got four blowjobs that night. To, uh, to four blowjobs? Four blowjobs that night from her uh, to oh. the Ja Rule song. Dung, da-dung, dung-dung. What I need about you. Uh, I saw him playing. He came four times. Yeah, isn't that crazy? That's it was great. a pretty solid blowjob. I uh, getting approval for showing people things is something that I I so I've never had to I never you know. But for this tour, I was trying to like really wanting to sell merch. Yeah. Oh yeah 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 yeah. So I and I I've done like records, so I'm gonna have like vinyl and my CD and um, like a DVD even, and then I have a T-shirt. And I was like, what's one more thing to just like put it all off, but also to like help kind of. And I came up with this idea, um, like an American Apparel type ad, like a Terry Richardson. You know, you know Terry Richardson, that oh. like perverted photographer that takes great pictures. Oh, I think I do. Of like people like against a white wall with like a flash. You know, it just kind of has like a look to it. But so I cast an elderly man that is not afraid to show his dick, and an elderly woman, and got a picture of them both wearing my T-shirt, but like by a professional photographer I hired and directed the whole shoot and curated the whole thing to where they're not wearing pants but just my shirt and his dick is just poking out of the bottom of the shirt they call it donald ducking no pants and a shirt on but his his, the head of his penis is barely poking out hold on they call it donald ducking is maybe my favorite thing i've ever (laughs) they call it donald it's so great they call it donald so now i'm like and then i went and like i mean i went out like in to a paper store in deep pasadena and like felt different papers and like found the right 11 by 17 thickness of paper and then took the picture and I have it on that and I'm going to like sell those and sign those after yeah. but I sent it to like this girl that I just did this movie with and I was like hey you got to see this it's so funny and I send her like the actual like regular picture where you just see the tip and she's like oh my god this is amazing and then I go do you mind if I'm going to send you another one that's just a little more hardcore and she goes I love how you're asking me now if I mind <laughs> rather than like hey yeah. before you sent the first dick pic to me yeah. and I was like oh yeah that's oh shit don't tweet about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the other one is him, just full helicopter mode. And it looks like he's hard, but he's not. He just has that big of a great dick. I mean, really? It's perfect. But 
the bet the, this is the moment that I felt the biggest like the biggest scumbag ever was in the shoot. He, we take got a few solo pics of him just standing next to this bike that I have in my office, yeah. <laughs> fucking ten speed. And I, I was like, all right, we've got the we've got what we need. Why don't we try something different? I don't know. Why don't you tie your shoes? So he like he's wearing shoes with no pants. So he goes down and he's like on one knee tying his shoe, but he's not tying it. He's just like messing around with the thing. Yeah. And I go, no, no, untie it and retie it. I want to get a real. And so he does that. And as he's tying it, I go and now look to camera. And he looks up, click. And it's the best picture of the whole group because who, did you, who shot the picture? This guy Scott Garrison, <laughs> this is a friend of mine. Jesus is awesome. Wait, where are the bag. pictures? Can I see them? Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll show them to you. Okay, yeah, yeah. that's fucking awesome. But, no, the ones that I'm going to sell, but it, <laughs> just as as a career moment, a naked elderly man on the floor tying his shoe. So wait, so wait, can I tell you the one part of that whole story that I was like, wait, you have an office? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's so. I want an office so bad. But I, I, I I'd say this honestly. I can't afford it. Like it just. Is, well, you have this. I have this, but the problem is, is that my kids can come in here whenever they want. Yeah. So like, uh, that's why I try to do the podcast during the day because the girls will just walk in and I'll yeah. be like, "Hey, what do you guys need?" And they're like, "Nothing." And and so they don't. No one respects this space. I think that you know it is communal. It's in the house. Well, that's my, my whole thing. Was we had an, like an office at my last uh, our last house, and she would just come in. And there's nothing. You know, my wife is. I love her and. But she would come in and ask me a question that was so mundane. And I'd be like, okay. Right now I'm like trying to get to a place to where maybe for five minutes I'm fully creative, which yeah. that sometimes takes three hours just to get there to do something, accomplish anything. And the fact that you just walk through the door and take me totally away. Like that door is five miles and you can't just open it. You, yeah. have, to, you have to walk five miles to get through that door. <laughs> like, a, yeah. And so that's when I was like, I need an office. I need something out of the house. And I got like a storefront in Glass Hill Park. And it's – I love it. What, is it, what, is it, what do you mean a, a storefront? Like, it's a storefront. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. And so – and is it just you in there? Uh, I, I share it with a friend who's a graphic designer. He's there three days a week. I mean I love it, man. I went to Cal – do you know Calico Corners is? Mm-mm. It's like a fabric store that elderly women go to. Yeah. Like I went in and had like this elderly woman come and we made cushions for this bay in the front, like then uh, curtains. Like I've like my wife is like you've designed like why don't you ever do this at our house? I'm like because this is my space and I love it and I I when people come come to it it blows them away. It's like it's like uh, jo- Joey Diaz has a place where he does his podcast out of mm-hmm. and he has an office. And then everyone has offices, and then I keep going like, "How come I can't? Why is it? Why? Why is it when I look for offices, it's like some piece of shit, like industrial park? Yeah, and it's it's through the roof. Expensive. You can't do that. It's all about where you are and the people. I got lucky because a guy I know owns it, and was just like, he's giving it to me for almost you know. Yeah, like Fitzsimmons has a great office, and I was like, I've never been to his. Yeah, he's, he does his podcast out of it. Oh, that must be new then. Yeah, yeah, down by Santa, Mon- Santa Monica Airport. Oh, I ha- I knew somebody that had an office at Santa Monica Airport. I would love to have an office at Santa Monica and Airport. And he had like vintage Porsches in his office, and we would like just go because you can drive around the airport. I, I drove I- like a nineteen sixties like James Bond Porsche. I wish I was more like you in that. I don't. I have a hard time. Like I, I, I think my creativity comes out at one speed in one direction. Yeah. Like, and then, and I think I'm, I think I'm, I'm, for the first time, I think I'm too old. Cause like, even like, like 
perfect example. This tour you got coming up. What's the name of it again? Proud of myself. Okay. Did you go through and find the venues and book it yourself, or did your agent? No, my do agent it? did it. Okay, yeah. so where is where's the tour going through? It goes San Diego, Phoenix, Tucson, San Antonio, Austin, Dallas, Oklahoma City, Nebraska, Omaha, Minneapolis, Milwaukee, Chicago. I'm of the age, and I might have missed one. I'm of the age where my manager and agent said, uh, "This tour you got coming up." You should name it and make a tour poster oh, yeah. and make some shirts. And I went, uh, yeah, but I'm uh, – how would I call it? Yeah, I'll be back next year. I'm doing it – it's the same – I've been doing this for fucking 13 years. It's the same – I go. I don't see a tour to it. For me, I just see like I'm just doing the road. You know, you know, And so I have that where I'm like, you know, there's random dates here and there and you're doing a fest. But like this is a specific tour. And the, the thing but about like most branding people, most, it – Yeah, most people though – these days, it seems like people are doing the road, but they're calling it a tour. What you're doing is a legit tour. But that's also smart, though. I mean, that's what you need to do. It is smart, but I'm fucking so old that I'm just like, I, I literally it was lost on me. I go, what do you mean tour? Like, you guys just booked it out. It didn't. I'm, by the way, they're, and I'm like, I'm on the road this weekend. Next, when does the tour start? And they're like, it starts when you do the Wilbur. And I went, great. Never named the tour. Never mm-hmm. came up with posters. I don't even know how to get a fucking poster. Like, I literally. If you, oh. I would spend an entire day trying to come up with a tour poster. Here's what I would do to you. Here's what I would tell. I mean, this is a guy that I share my office with. He does all of my design, everything, really? and um, except for this tour poster, some, another friend wanted to do it, but he does my website, everything, and I'll just say to him, like, here's the name of the tour. How do you even? Okay, what's, then he gives what's me, the name like, of the tour again? What's the name of the tour? Proud of myself. Yeah, proud of myself. Well, how did you come up with that? Like. I just over time. I had multiple ideas of what the tour could be. Give me all your ideas. I want to hear all your ideas. I don't even remember what it was. Proud of ourselves. Proud of myself. And then I told it to my agent, and he laughed. He goes, "That's it." And I was like, "All right, cool." I think I had like, you know, uh, I just needed some money, like just names like that. Yeah, you know, I had I I wanted to call my tour Tito's and Speedos, (laughs) and then my agent's like, "No." And then I wanted to call it the Machinist because I lost weight. Mm -hmm. And then I wanted to, and then they're like, "No, call it the Machine Tour." And then I'm like. You know what? This is what happens. I'm a perfect example of of a comic who's a very good comic, but like I'm not good at like I'm the machine tour actually is, and it's not too late to do this, by the way. Great idea. And then you email that to my friend Chris, and you yeah. say, and he, and I can't tell you the amount of like Jim Gaffigan has him do it now, like oh really? Because and just starting with me, and then he did Pete Holmes' albums and Kumail's, and he, you like know, Pete Holmes, Kumail, you. Uh, uh, every, all you, uh, it's Segura. All you guys are so uh, you're like one generation behind me in comic in comedy. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm like just seven years older, six years older than all you guys. And and but you guys came up when like com- I came up when comedy was a job. You guys came up when comedy was fun. That sounds does that sound right? Yeah. Like for me, it was like you got to do the road. And then I know a generation of comics that you would never know. Like net, like just you're like, huh. And but I know them because they were road guys, like real road dogs. And you guys came up and you're like, "Hey, like you just said this." I mean, it's a little mind blowing, and it might be the booze kicking in. But like, you're like, it's so much fun. Like, who wants to go perform in front of people you don't know? By the way, that is all I understood comedy to be until. Well, that recently. was my whole career until two years ago, and no, finally, it, I, even still, like I, that's all I understood comedy to be. I never thought you'd have fans. I never thought. Yeah, fans were part of the equation that you go in and they cheer for you and they'd be excited to see you and they'd be along with you. You know, like yeah, it's a bunch of guys that kind of look like me with girlfriends that are like, "Why are we here?" <laughs> <laughs> By the way, that is, that is 
You just defined my crowds. It's guys that look like me with girlfriends going, why are we here? Oh, fuck. I love, it's I mean, I- so true. But, no, but so with the first time I did it, because I, I, I fired my touring agent mm-hmm. and got a new guy. Yeah. And this guy used to be in a band and then he used to manage bands. And then now he books comedians. But he takes a different approach. And it's the rock club. Thing. It's the rock club thing. And is- he can get me in comedy clubs whenever I want. But the the rock club thing is my first run I did through the Midwest. Yeah. And the first show, the next day I call him, I go, God, what a fucking great show, man. I mean, like, it felt like every single person there, like, I, I walked out and people were like, oh, you know, like, whereas, like, at comedy clubs, you can kind of, like, walk through the bar and, yeah, there's a few people, but then. Oh, shocking. At a comedy club. Yeah. At a comedy club sometimes. And, I, and I, I still do comedy clubs. But at especially in a papered venue, meaning they've given away the time. Oh, to, yeah, to those yeah. guys, you guys listening, it's when they give away all the tickets. I'm still blown the fuck away that someone would watch me perform for an hour and walk right past me and not say anything. Yep. I'm like I'm. I have never in my life ever seen a band. Not even not necessarily say, but at least look, give you a look like, like hey, aware. Hey, thank you. Great job. Hey, wasn't my wasn't my cup of tea. But that's why, and then, and I, when I call my agent the next day, he goes, yeah, because you're performing at a place where only people that are looking to see you are going to be there. But it's so funny, too, how still unaware, like, I just, when I film my special good guy that is out and available um, on CISO and and iTunes and whatever, but uh, I filmed it in Portland, which is like one of, you know, I would say the the cities that I sell in are Portland, Austin, Chicago, New York. The cities we all sell in. Yeah. Everyone loves to go out and they love live performance. And I'm not like anybody doesn't everywhere, but. um, By the way, I have have a list of places I want to tell you that you don't know about yet. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. There's all the little nooks, too. Like Asheville, North Carolina. I'm sorry to mean to cut. Oh, no. But I called like the day before I called my agent. I go, I don't know, man. Maybe we should just like give away a ton of tickets because I had two shows in this good size theater. It's like, maybe we should just give away some tickets. And he's like, what are you talking about? And I go, I just, I don't want it to be, you know, three quarters full. And he goes, dude, it's been sold out for over a month. I'm like, Oh, cause I, I'm unaware that people actually do want to see me. Oh, I said, to, <laughs> like, I said, oh, to Cowhead, my buddy Cowhead one time, I said, um, I said, I hope people are there today. And he was like, if it's not sold out, I'll quit my job. And I was like, really? He goes, yeah. I just recently started getting ticket counts because it, it was giving me stress. I don't do ticket counts because that actually gives it. me more stress. <clears throat> no, I, I want to know what shows I need to push and where, like, I can tell you right now, I'm very light on in Calgary this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> I'm posting this right now. I'm posting this today. And <laughs> Calgary, I am there this weekend. Please come to see my show. Uh, I think those shows will sell out, but, uh, but yeah. <clears throat> Calgary's not in the mall, right? No. No, Calgary's in a casino. Calgary's... Dude, Canada's a, mall a up there. big stand-up, like big for us in stand-up. You know what? I know. I need to do a Canadian tour because... Edmonton, Calgary. Edmonton's with a mall. Edmonton's in the Man, mall. Man, I had a yeah. fucking... Last time I was in Edmonton, I was so sick in that mall, just like I needed to get out. Like, oh, I love that during mall. During the day, oh, I just I needed to go mall. somewhere, and I just Googled water skiing and found that 30 minutes away was a water ski farm with a guy that just built a lake in his backyard and... My, I call my opener. I was like, hey, man, I need you to take me somewhere. And he just came down and he took me out and I water skied for an hour in this guy's backyard. And it was like – it's one of my favorite road like adventures that I've had where I just like did it, you know? Dude, can I tell you I'm, – I'm, this is a, perf- a perfect example of what we're talking about. I came up with the Colin Sick to Work show the uh, probably a couple of years ago now. And I've wanted to do a Colin oh, yeah, Sick to yeah. Work tour. 
with comics that I love that love that. day drinking and and like and <clears throat> just get a bus and do some like some like rock venues like uh, House of Blues, mm-hmm. some places attached to casinos. Like who gives a fuck? Just go in and it's day drinking. It's early. We go and we promote it online. We do podcasts and. I mean, like two Montreals ago, I was like desperate. I was like, I want, I wanted like Sean Patton, you, Kinane. I wanted a bunch of guys that are fun, loving guys. And I was like, never going to work, never going to work, never going to work. Uh, you're never going to sell it, uh, whatever. And now I'm like, and then after this weekend, everyone's like. God, Montreal, that would be great, a day drinking show. Dude, they are so much fun. It's fucking insane. I did it with um, Nate Bargatze and Patton and Sean Patton this weekend. I, but I changed it into a live podcast because I, I kind of sold it to Sirius XM. I'm going to release it on this podcast when I'm allowed to. Um, it was really fun. It was really fun. I w- I'm going to do it with you. I'm going to Nate I'm, drinking. Yeah. yeah. In Nashville. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. He, he got usually, fucking lit. He usually holds off over there. <laughs> no, I, dude. I'm going to. It's not noon, is it? No, it's not noon. Okay. What time you got to be out of here? I got to be out of here. To get somewhere by noon. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. yeah. Um, I want to do something that I've, I'm now f- going to release as a podcast. But I'm going to put in this podcast because I don't care. What, do, uh, who's your favorite comic? Like, mine's David Tell. Mm-hmm. No questions. Um, God, the other day somebody was asking me that. I, like, who do I really li- I really like to watch Bill Burr, but I, I actually was like, you know, sometimes I don't totally connect. Yeah. Um, and I think I think he's brilliant, but sometimes yeah. I don't totally connect, especially since he's a Patriots fan. Fuck the Patriots! But I'm doing this thing. I'm trying to do this thing where I get people to tell their favorite Atel stories or, or good ro- good comic stories. Like uh, the one Bargazzi told me was uh, him and Joe List. I think were like we're sitting uh, outside, and this drunk guy came out to Atel, and they're all they're all sitting with Atel. Nate told me this story. Wait, wait yeah, yeah, say it. it's so good. Wait, no, you tell it. I don't remember it really good <laughs> no he basically was like oh i don't even remember the guy's like it's hell, it's hell, yeah, it's and, hell. and then he said something to nate like about not helping yeah he goes he goes tell, tell. and Natal goes oh yeah fantastic i want you to meet my two friends stands by and watches it happen <laughs> <laughs> yeah something exactly like that but I'm yeah. lo- i want to do podcasts where i just pull all these clips of like favorite stories like yeah. and then nate told me like nate told me a story about Joe List, who I don't know. I, I, I don't even know if I've ever met him. I, I, I don't know. I really don't. I'm not sure. And we're sitting at lunch, and he goes, have you ever heard about the time Joe List shit in that girl's shoe? And I went, I was like, you had me? <laughs> and, and I was howling, fucking laughing. And, and yesterday, I, was, I was, came home. I was buzzed off the plane. I was like, I don't know, middle of the afternoon. And I'm still laughing at at. Joe, uh, that, uh, just Nate going. Have I ever told you about the time Joe List shit in that girl's shoe? Oh, but yeah. No, he Nate. When Nate has some stories, he likes to tell about me. But the one that he always like gets lit up about that he yeah. loves to tell is just it, because it, I can be a very confrontational person, and I have a very thing about like the laws of courtesy and the laws oh. of the way that you act in public. Yeah. And I, I got into this plane, and Nate was there on the plane, and you know when I used to tour with a guitar, it was always tough to. You know, basically, if you have a guitar from the second you walk into the airport until you get on the plane, everybody is trying to stop you. Yeah. You can't take the guitar on the plane. You can't. You got to gate check it. You got in, in the end, you don't. People on the plane, flight attendants, like, yeah, if it fits, it's good. And usually it does or it's yeah. in the closet. 
So I get on the plane and I'm already like at high stress level. And I also got really good at like looking up, okay, I can move this bag across there and then the, the, the guitar will fit. Yeah. Otherwise it won't. And I saw this yellow bag. And so I, I'm always very nice. And I say, I, I kind of go, I'm sorry, is, is this anybody's yellow bag right here? Nobody says anything. I go, I'm just curious if this is any, I was hoping I could move this yellow bag. Nothing. So then I take the yellow bag and move it just across the aisle to a place that it fits perfect. And right as I do this, this, this woman sitting next to her husband says, do not touch my bag. And I said, oh, I am so sorry. I was actually just asking whose bag it was. I'm hoping I could fit my guitar right here if I move your bag right there. And she goes, do not touch my bag. And I go, I look at her husband and I said, sir, you need to talk to your wife about who it's okay to talk to and who it's not okay to talk to. Yeah. And he just was like, ah, well, I'm not going to say anything to that. And, yeah. And the wife just sat there like, really? You're not going to say anything? <laughs> I was oh, like, fucking... Because I just put him and her in her place where it's like, is it really a big fucking deal if I move your fucking bag? Dude, I was in the plane last night, yesterday afternoon, get on, and there is a coach, very nice coach bag that is... It's it, by the way, it's very small. It couldn't be more than two gallons big, and it, but it, but it's taking up the whole fucking area. And now and that's the only only spot. And so I said, "Excuse me, is someone have a is there a very nice coach bag up here? I was wondering if I could move it to the other side." No one said anything. Guys, is anyone's coach bag? Is this a, a lady's coach bag? And then the guy, this guy turns around and goes, "It's my bag." Asian? I, uh, no, Mexican. I think Mexican. Big big guy. Big guy. And I go. Sir, do you mind if I move it to the other side? Uh, I'm, I'm, I want to put my bag up here. And he was like, uh, okay, but listen. He goes, be careful. There's an iPad in there. I so badly wanted to go, oh, sure. And then just go, gah, 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 and fuck his bag up. Like, <laughs> Dude, what, how, what do I, you think I have rocks in mind? You like, had me at coach course, back there. Because of that- course, it's, I'm going to be nice to you. Do you think I was just going to go throw it into the other one? I was like, you fucking idiot. I had a coach bag situation two weeks ago with an Asian guy coming out of San really? Francisco, and he was military. He he boarded with the military boarding, which I don't know if he really was military. And then he had like a, he looked like he was a lawyer. He had some sort of a a bag that had like the name of a case or no a, a binder with the name of a case on the side. But coach bag that should be under his fucking seat. Yeah, because that's oh, the yeah. size it is. And I go, I'm sorry, whose bag is this? And he goes, it's mine. And he goes, don't touch it. And I go, oh, okay, well, would you mind moving it then just over here because there's because it won't fit on that side because this side actually was a little smaller. Yeah. And I go, sir, I'm looking. Have you, I go, have you tried fitting it on that side? And he goes, no, but I know that it won't. And I said, you're a dick. <laughs> and then, and then I, I, I was like so fr- – and I said that out loud. And then I sat down in my seat, which was the row behind him and across the aisle. Yeah. And then he turned around and like kind of looked at me. And I go, what? Yeah. What? Yeah, what the fuck are you going to do? Get up and do something. <laughs> but you know what? That's how fucking planes right now. It gets so tense on them like that oh. because douchebag, you know. And then, but, I, and then, but that's the thing that drives me nuts is that it is, by the way, I, I will tell you the opposite side of this story. Uh, one time I was getting on a plane from Calgary, oddly enough, and I went to go put my bag up on the thing and I dropped my bag on a dude's face and broke his nose and his glasses. <laughs> And then 
he almost got arrested at the airport. He was being belligerent before any of this. I didn't know any of this. I walk on late. I'm late. And he's being belligerent to the flight attendants. Really nasty. And I literally walk into the middle of it. They're fighting. Him and the flight attendants are fighting. They're about to remove him from the plane. And I drop my bag on his face. <laughs> and he loses his fucking mind. Loses his mind. And I said, I said, uh, I said to him, I go, sir, I apologize profusely. And I go, please let me, let me compensate you. Let me give you cash. And he goes, you can't afford these glasses. And I'm like, I'm like, I can definitely afford your fucking glasses. And I go, <laughs> and, and his nose is, is bleeding. Oh. I don't know if it's broken, broken, like it's not exploded, but it's fucking like, it is not, it, he, I dropped my bag on his face hardcore and it's fucking packed to the gills it's a roller bag and so is it the one that's by the door out there right now uh that's not a check-in bag that's your sister's bag right no 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 it's right over there it's it's a it's a it's a a square roller bag where you lift the thing up and so Mm -hmm. i said give give me a price give me a price i'll pay for your glasses and he goes these are easily four hundred dollars i pull out eight hundred dollars in canadian cash i go here's eight hundred dollars i hope that'll cover it he is so shocked that I have $800. By the way, I have another $1,000 worth of Canadian cash. I have a wad because I just sold T-shirts. So I have like $1,800 in Canadian cash. And I just counted it out and went, that's yours. And he was like, oh, my God. Okay. And then he comes back and he goes, at the very end of the flight, he goes, here's – he gives me $400 Canadian. He goes, they were just $400. And to be honest with you, they were already broken. I needed to get a new pair. And I was like, okay. And I was like, that was cool. And so then we get off the plane and there's cops waiting for him. Because uh, because he had been belligerent, and I then talked him out of it. I go, don't arrest him. But yeah, it's interesting that Asian passenger that wouldn't get out of his seat. I think that is. We know the guy that Doctor Feelgood. They pulled him off the plane yeah. on United. Mm-hmm. Um, I I looked at that and I thought I thought it's so interesting because we watch the video as Americans and everyone stands with the side of like, how dare they? Mm-hmm. However. Everyone on that plane was when they did drag him off. Everyone was shocked, but up until that moment, everyone was like, "Why aren't you getting up?" Like, yeah, it, it's it's a interesting because I guarantee you there are people on that plane going, "I have a connection in Louisville. I'm going to miss my entire vacation if this guy doesn't get up." But and then they show the video and everyone goes, "Oh, I would have never." See, I I, I kind of side with that guy. I'm not getting out of my seat, man. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, I definitely, I definitely go. In that situation, the airline, the airlines, completely fucked up. Yeah. Um, no, they have to keep offering money until it's enough. You yeah. know, until somebody comes out, you have to just offer it up to them because you're the one that fucked up. We're not. We just thought we could buy a ticket. You know, like we we didn't know you overbooked. Oh, you don't. You're not even overbooked. You just need to fly some fucking employees somewhere. Oh, I'm oh, going through it with an American. I've been an airline loyal on American for 13 years. Only flown American. Only fly American. I've flown other airlines in times when I, I don't have an option, but I always fly American, always pay first class I've, uh, for 13 years. Always, always. And uh, I'm having a snafu now with them. And I went, I literally was like, I wanted to write to them and go, I've been airline loyal to you by my choice. Because yeah. I, lo- I love you guys. Like, just see that. And that's that a lot. I mean, you- 13 years, that's a lot of revenue generated. And, and I go, I don't need to. Like, I really don't need to. I can buy a first-class ticket on any airlines and fly direct everywhere as opposed to going through Dallas and Chicago. And then I felt like going, I bet there's someone above you that would handle this differently. 
I bet you're doing what protocol says. Mm-hmm. But I guarantee you there's someone above you that would go, hold on, hold on a second. We're about to lose all of your business because I'll just split it between all the other. I don't give a fuck. I don't, I don't really, really don't give a shit. And, uh, and I'm, but I'm like, so giving them the benefit of the doubt going, just, can you guys try to fix this? And, 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 and it's so easy to come from the place of I have Twitter followers and but oh, that doesn't matter. I, and, and that, everyone but, uh, posts yeah. that everyone you know posts. Oh, I fucking hate this airline. I hate this. You know that's just the way it goes. Everyone says I hate airlines. I've defended American Airlines. I still defend American Airlines. I'm an Alaska Airlines guy. Oh yeah, because that's that. That's your run, Seattle. But so that means that when I fly cross country on American and Delta, which are the two that I'll do, I don't. I will never fly United. This is from for years. Really? You yeah. know what? So funny. They broke my guitar like years ago. Wouldn't pay for it. One incident like that loses everyone. So Delta offers P-class fares and A-class fares. And one time I paid $1,300 for a first-class ticket on American on, – on Delta. Delta. I'm sorry. This is all Delta. I, put, I paid $1,300 for a Delta ticket going – this sounds like hashtag white people problems. Mm-hmm. And, but flying to Atlanta and to L.A. and they moved me to coach. And they wouldn't fix it. They wouldn't. They were like, "Sorry, that's your fare." And I and I and I never flew them again. Yeah. And I went. You guys would have had my business this whole fucking time. Oh, and the anger that it in the moment when you're sitting back in that seat, like, oh, when you I know that you'd paid for doing. something. And then and then now, now oh. I go. Now I'm like, a part of me is like, I think you've outgrown American because why would I? Why am I? Why well, I'm 44? What am I fucking flying yesterday? Why am I flying into Dallas? You know why I'm doing it to generate because it's I like. Because I love American. Why am I going this place to Dallas to L.A.? Why don't I just get on a flight home? Yeah. Like, I don't get it. But I, I, I don't do connections unless it's to a city where you can't get a direct flight. But from Nashville to L.A., there are definitely direct flights. Yeah, tons. Yeah. And, and, I, and I went, no, I'm American Airlines loyal. Their I'm first class, American isn't they, Their first class was sold out. But I go, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy the first class as opposed to just flying Delta or flying everyone else. Mm-hmm. I go, I'm going to buy the first class. through. Te- but don't you have uh, points with them? Yeah, I don't use points. I don't. By the way, that's the other point. Is like I, I texted the lady. I was like, I don't. You, status does nothing for me. So you don't use a number? No, I, I do. I do. I, I definitely do. But I don't. I. It's all a business. No, right off. Yeah, but it's got you up to a level now of your miles on them to where you probably just could could buy a coach ticket and get bumped to first class no matter what. I could, but I don't. Yeah, I, I, I don't for a number of reasons. Number one. Um, I, ha- I have not been paying for my own flights for a long, uh, for a while, so I could just tell everyone this is who I want to fly. Oh, so when you book tickets to or your comedy clubs, you just tell them fly me out there. No, com- no, at, on Ameri- on comedy clubs, I will still buy my own ticket, but I'll buy it through American because uh-huh. I just believe in them. You know, like I and and I have status, and I think we're getting a little off topic of why anyone would ever listen to a podcast right now, but <laughs> but but like I do, but like. It's a problem with this thing. This it's it's stupid. I'm hoping it gets handled. This is what you know, like when you like look at the Bob Dylan like Christian phase yeah. of his career. This portion of the podcast will be like that. <laughs> People will say, "Yeah, that it got you know kind of boring." Um, yeah, Bert talked about his status on American for like fucking thirty minutes. That's what praying that one of his listeners works at American. <laughs> that's what bookers will do to you. Uh, yeah, but. Fuck. So I that are you just doing the tour by yourself? Are you doing it with a bus? Are you are you driving? Uh, no. Well, that's uh, that's actually what I was starting to get to, and then just got sidetracked. But at Moshe, Moshe has a recreational vehicle, like an RV type thing, and so I was at his house today, looking, you know, to see if I want to use it. It's a stick shift diesel 
Fucking of course. Solar powered. Yeah, yeah. Why would Moshe have anything easy? <laughs> Solar powered. He has a Corvette too, which I think is so funny. He has a Corvette, like a like an eighties Corvette. For real? <laughs> yeah. He is such an interesting he, fucking guy. He also guy. has a trailer. Like he has all this stuff. But they have a pool. And part of my morning was helping Natasha fish out an umbrella from the bottom of the pool because Moshe was getting his hair cut in the bathroom. So his hairstylist came over. <laughs> it was what an interesting couple they are. What a fun morning. You've been friends with Natasha for a very long time. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, I remember. I remember I'm, no, but I mean, I remember... Uh, watching you and Natasha did like a tour together or something, did yeah. some dates together. Yeah, we would do. We would go ahead. And this is like MySpace days. I want to say, yeah. like, yeah. Um, they were really fascinating. Couple. Oh, they're so fun to be around. Or do you hang out with them with your wife? We we ha- we haven't. We have, but we we don't do it very often. But this morning, like, I'm sitting in their you know kind of area, and and I just the, the conversations with them are so fun because I was like saying how I was worried about the tour, and there and and. Natasha goes, why are you just worried about traveling through America right now with how things are politically? And I was like, no, I was like, it's just all new material. I, I hope it's good. <laughs> <laughs> and then Moshe's like, you should be worried about traveling through the country. Riots are about to happen. I'm like, what are you talking about? And he's like, the far right and the far left are about to start fucking killing each other. I, <laughs> I was like, Natasha, me goes, I wouldn't be shocked. But no. And then Natasha goes, well, why though? And I'm like, this is such a funny conversation because if I said that in front of my wife, she'd be like, shut the fuck up. Yeah. What do you guys want to do today? <laughs> but like these conversations, they're really fun to talk to. Yeah, I, I, I find them fascinating. I like especially. Um, I can't imagine like if I had, like I always say this about Tom and Push too, and like Rich and Bonnie. If I had a creative partner, meaning like if my wife didn't just hear half of my ideas and go, "You're fucking stupid." Yeah, like everything I, I, I whenever I come up with that idea, my wife's like, "Stop." Like, I, I run a joke by her, and she will not laugh at all. No, half the time, I mean, it's funny because there's been two instances recently where I did um, these shows that were, like, benefit one for a school and then one for a, building a school in Haiti. And I brought her to those, and I was, like, running ideas by her on the way because those shows suck, and you have to do something different than just your material at yeah. least to start. And at the school, it's a school we actually want to get our kid into. It's the best public school in L.A. What is it? Where is uh, it? Ivanhoe. The Ivanhoe oh, school I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that school. And like Rob Cordry and his family go there and that he was putting the show on and, and Bill Burr was on this show. Was, you know, just to raise money for a public school, which is insane that we have to do that. But Well, no, uh, we're doing it. My daughter's school uh, qualified as too many white kids. Mm-hmm. And they, so now they cut. They uh, cut half the budget. Half yeah. the budget. And then. My, my, and I said to my daughter, I go, that's crazy. I go, when I look at your school, I don't think they're white kids. And she goes, no, dad, no one's afraid. No one's going to put down their Mexican these days because they get kicked out of the country. So everyone who's Mexican puts down their white. And so they lost all their funding. Yeah, that's and the same I, thing with this Ivanhoe school. I mean, I don't know if it's the same reason, but I yeah. know that like across, you know, the L.A. River in my neighborhood, uh, the school is like known as like a, a the school that gets all the money. Yeah. But it's a whole bunch of people like me that live in the neighborhood. So it's just a weird bit. No, but on the way there, I was going to say, I wanted to, I wanted to open up with whose dick do I need to suck to get into this fucking school district? Because <laughs> yeah. we've been trying to buy houses. That's where I've got to be at noon in this area. And it's just so, Where's know, it, where is that area? Silver Lakey, Los okay. Vilas. But, you know, people just go in all cash, like hundred grand over yeah. and just swoop, swoop up houses. This like. uh, area, this school district's amazing. Yeah. This, yeah. Oh yeah. Colfax area is mm-hmm. fucking I mean, that's the reason we bought this house here. And we, we bought it at the very, very bottom of the market. And we're still overpaying for it for us, in our opinion. We didn't have that kind of money. And now my wife doesn't want to fucking leave. 
when oh but no so i go but this is the going back to the wife like not and she was like that is no do not say that that's embarrassing and i go okay but and then i realized it's actually funnier to say it a different way so i opened my setup with whose blank do i need to blank to get into this school district whose blank do i need to blank and, it and tell me what the blanks are <laughs> yeah and it crushed and and afterwards i was like right and she goes yeah you shouldn't bounce ideas off me i'm never gonna like them you shouldn't bounce. <laughs> hey if you could if you if 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 uh, this is a game I was playing with Ari the other night. If you could put, if four products could put booths outside your show that you think your fans would buy, what would those four products be? Like I, we were at Larry Cable Guy's show, and I was like, dude, if they put an OtterBox stand here, they oh. would sell the fuck out of OtterBoxes. <laughs> yeah. Probably like a Filson stand. What's a Filson? It's like a Northwest rugged clothing line. <laughs> I, guess. <laughs> like, I love that. I love that. Probably put that out there. Um, God, for sure, Tito's stand. Tito's, yeah. I, I, I'm telling you, man, if Tito's would fucking wisen up, they could, if they just supported podcasts, like just said, hey, oh here's, my God, yeah. Do a read for us. You're already drinking our shit. I to- you know, I totally fucked up on is my favorite beer company, um, Oscar Blues. Do you know them? No. They have a thing in Asheville, North Carolina, and a thing in Denver. And uh, my last tour, I was like, hey, guys, sponsor the tour. We're going to make a documentary. And they're like, sure, we'll just give you a ton of free beer. I'm like, great. So we had like probably $1,500 of beer in this RV that we were driving around in. How, does it, how did you fuck this up? Because we haven't made the documentary yet. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but I basically had my favorite beer company just giving me beer. I had Tito's, and then I didn't follow through on the idea. Tito's, <laughs> so Tito's, now they're yeah. Tito's reached out to me, and they were like, "Hey, heard you're a big fan. We want to send over some Tito's." And I'm like, "Great, send over a ton of Tito's." Um, and then they started sending packages to my hotel rooms, and I was like, "Oh, great!" And so, oh my god, yeah, that sounds like trouble. Yeah, actually, I'm just cool with just the free Tito's. I'll tell you the one fucking sponsor that really dropped the ball: Combos. There was a period where I was talking about Combos on every fucking podcast, and I was like, "Yeah," and then Combos. Sent me like a box of combos. Yeah. And we're, yep. Come on in. Sorry. That's what I like to hear. Perfect. Awesome. Okay. All right. Thank you. All right. I mean, what in his mind right now, what he just walked into has got to feel like, what the fuck is this? Oh, yeah. Why? Why is it that I fucking live? Why is he sitting... Indian style on a leather sofa wearing drinking whiskey (laughs) talking into a microphone how did you get that how do you get that job how do you get paid to do that and what was he just doing he just fixed your sprinkler system yeah did our sprinklers (laughs) the best is the guys that were redoing our house oh god we had had like seven probably five Mexican guys here every single day for four months when we were renovating and like two and a half months in three months in one of the guys looks at me and he goes Hey, man, what do you do? And I was like, what? And he goes, all we do is we see you go take guys in that back room and you come out giggling. And I was like, oh, they think I'm bringing dudes back here and fucking them. Like, and I go, it's a podcast. And he goes, huh? Like, it, the it, the whole concept was like, yeah. and I've never seen you work. You never lift anything. You don't do anything. You disappear, then you show up. What the fuck do you do? And I was like, oh, yeah. I go, I'm a comedian. And he was like, huh? Does this argument ever happen with your spouse where, you know, she does get like, I'm touring or, you know, this or just like the fact that I need to go to my office and work and think about things. And 
it she gets annoyed with it and 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 it, you know just like in the end it's almost like she wishes that i had a nine to five job yeah you know and so if i get annoyed that i have to do something she's like you realize that people do this stuff all the time and i go yeah but do you realize that i figured it out like i actually found out how to do what i wanted to do it was crazy i won I, I won whatever the contest is to where I love my life and I love my job yeah. and I don't have to answer to anyone. I, dude, I, I succeeded. I say that to people every time someone she comes care. to my show and goes, <laughs> I want to get into stand-up. I go, start. start just oh, that's stop. all you have to do. I go, yeah. just start. And they're like, it's well, yeah. And I go, easiest thing in the world. <laughs> I go, yeah. I go, just start. Start doing it and then you do it and then it keep doing it and it gets better. Like, mm-hmm. And then you get to do – it is the greatest life. I said – Leanne said to me we, were, we had the girls in London – and uh, we were, we had a we had a, like a car service taking us out to this castle, and we stop off at this in Shakespeare's hometown and go to this little place on the Thames River, Thames River. And I'm getting out of the van, and Leanne goes, "Just stop for a second. Your silly jokes can afford to pay for all this." And I went, "Holy shit! Like I can't I can't believe." That's great that she has that moment because I don't. She answered that to me, and I went, I went, wow. She goes, you should be really proud of yourself. And then I was like, fuck. Like my dad had to go to law school to afford to take us on vacation. I mean, I'm not. I'm not even saying that I'm smarter than. Like I'm not. I wasn't capable of going to school. So. I'm me either. <laughs> That's why Dude, I could. I, I still can't read out loud. Like <laughs> and 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 it just. I just needed to find something. I was like, fuck it. I know that I can think I differently. Still can't read out loud. That should be. I'm fucking, I can't read out loud. Should be the name of your tour. I can't read out loud. <laughs> it's so bizarre that you go like, and then you know. Can I tell you? Like, I look sometimes. I look at like, uh, like some people in this business, like different places in the business of people that aren't don't really have a talent per se. Like, there's you see that in like sometimes in like a management company or at an agency or with executives where the guy doesn't really have a the man or woman doesn't have like an ascertainable talent. Other than to say no, yeah, and you go, hey, what kind of panic must you wake up in every morning? Like I wake up and at least I go, I have the inspiration of going, I'm, I'm going to think of something funny today. I'm going to try to do something creative today. Well, that's what I realized. I mean, it's this business especially, but when, you know, I worked at the Boys and Girls Club for six years in Seattle. Yeah, and then moved down here, and I lied to my family. I said, yeah, they're transferring me. Down to the and I didn't know anything. I was like down to the Huntington Beach Boys and Girls Club. I'm getting, they're just sending me down there, and, and everyone believed that. And I got down here, had no job, moved into an apartment in Hollywood, was about to live a life for I don't know how long. And two days in, I I was at a birthday party. A friend of mine was like, "Oh, my friend Jane lives down there, and she's having a birthday on Saturday. You should go." So I do. I'm like Jane, I'm Nick. I'm Evan's friend. I think we met once in Seattle. And she's like, "Oh yeah, yeah," and she's having a conversation with this other guy named Billy. And she was like, Billy, this is Nick. She goes, are you working? And I go, no, not yet. And she goes, oh, well, Billy's hiring. Billy, you, he, just got, he just got a job casting Nanny 911, the um, reality yeah, show. Yeah, yeah. And I go, oh, cool. And he goes, yeah, do you have any experience? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> just, which I've just said my whole life to things. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. And he goes, well, let's get coffee Monday morning and at 9 talk about it. And so at 9 a.m. I meet him at fucking Starbucks. And then at 9.30, I'm following him to my new job. <laughs> and got a job really? working as a, an assistant in the casting department for a network television show. And Holy and that's shit. the second that I realized no one in this town knows what the fuck they're doing at first. At first. And then they figure it out. And that's yeah. how they become either successful or not. And I figured it out real quick. And the next thing I knew, I was a story editor on the show. 
which was such a weird fucking thing. Wow. What a yeah. fucking leap. Yeah, the story. Yeah, uh, it really was. But it's just because I, I could say yes to everything and I yeah. would always back it up and figure it out and do good. Yeah. And the story editing, I mean, that was fucked up, man, because my job in that was to sit in an RV in the neighborhood of the house that we have a British nanny helping a family with their children. Yeah. And it's really not the kids. It's the parents that are hate each other most yeah. of the time and watching three monitors, camera A, B and C and for 10 hours and just writing into a computer camera A 11 AM mom laughs green shirt. Really? <laughs> because, and that's these moments capturing them on all the cameras because then the producers take it and they go, Hey, we need a shot. We're, because they're building a false story out of everything. And oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't hey, realize that's how it was oh, yeah, for a long you were time. Involved then in I was like, <laughs> we, we're all lying? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're all lying. All the housewives, all that. They go, hey, we need a, um, a, a clip of the mom laughing here to make the dad look like an asshole. And they're like, oh, yeah, well, we have that camera A, 11 a.m. on Saturday. You're like, okay, cool. Bring it in. Wait, what color was her shirt? Green. Perfect. <laughs> Fuck. That's crazy. Like, it was, and that's when I learned it. And I, that's actually, I remember being in, in that RV uh, when Mitch Hedberg died. And I was really? doing stand up at the time, and he was my idol. Yeah. And, uh, and just like being. I feel like, like you can, you can categorize, categorize all us comics either in like, in like probably one of four camps. Like, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm definitely a, a Natel. And, and I know my act doesn't look like a Tell now, but. He was my idol, and I'm telling you, when you first saw me do stand up, you're like, "Oh, he must be a fan of Attell." Yeah. And then Hedberg, like, uh, there were so many, so many people. I mean, he just revolutionized revolutionized the way people do stand up. Yeah. And and the way they are, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you and Owen were definitely looked like Hedberg guys when you mm-hmm. first started. Yeah. Well, I remember too the first time I ever saw you perform. Yeah. Uh, Zach Galifianakis went on right after you. Yeah. And. I, I don't. I, it just sticks out. There's a few moments that stick out when I first moved to LA. It was my probably my third time hanging out at the Improv, yeah. and you were so you were really really nice. Um, and I was like embarrassed to meet Zach, um, just really? because like I just thought he was like you know kind of like in that oh. style of Mitch. It was really what I you know. Zach is <laughs> man. People don't realize how funny Zach was. Oh well, and you sat next to me and watched Zach. Like I remember, like you know, I was like, oh yeah, because I, I was so that. in awe of even meeting you because you were just on the stage that I someday wanted to be on. I I even hated going there because I would get so fucking mad that I wasn't on the stage. And then and then that was the only time that I wasn't angry because I was going to see Zach. By the way, you I would <laughs> say you owned that stage for like I remember coming in there and it was like and there were, and you were going on. Like you were just, that I, th- must be right after then. You really quickly got it up. happened pretty quickly yeah, uh, really, at the improv. But yeah. I I was hanging out there for a little bit, and then I had a magical set that changed my career. It, it really just one set. Wait, tell me about it. Um, I had never. Somebody had told me when I was moving down here that I'd been honest with, and I wanted. I'm pursuing stand up. I'm moving to L. A. I'm sick of bombing in front of people that I know in Seattle, and just want to get out of here. And and they said, whatever you do when you get down there, don't try and go up at the improv. Don't try and go up the Laugh Factory. Eat shit in Burbank. Go up in the worst places until somebody invites you. Don't ask. Wait to be invited. And really I took smart. that. I took that advice. And and you know Steve Hofstetter, which I wouldn't call it like a ambassador of comedy, but he invited me to do his show at at the Improv. And I was like, that's an, that's a straight invitation. I've been down here for a year. I'm gonna take it. And I they called it the Red Jacket set. I was wearing a red jacket. 
that my friend had given me. It was like this vintage Japanese weird bomber that would, I looked like a fucking idiot. Yeah. But I loved it. And I was wearing it, and I went up and did the set. And afterwards, I walked off, and Jesse Shapiro was the manager at the time. Yeah. And he said, uh, man, great set. Um, I'm Jesse. Uh, you're a regular now. First set. I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> That's my, my dream. Yeah. And I walk out just on cloud nine. And the next morning, I get a call from a number I don't know. And it's Jesse. And he says, hey, man. Um, so last night we were record, we were filming the sets because a couple people were auditioning for the Aspen Comedy Festival. And, and we just we rolled the camera, the whole set. And we have your set. And I'm actually just about to go into a meeting about the Aspen Comedy Festival. And we're pitching um, the final, like, final few guys. And they want, like, new guys. Is it okay if we show them your set? And so I was like... Sure. I didn't even, I, at the, you know, cut to me hanging up the phone and Googling Aspen Comedy Festival. I didn't even yeah. know what it was. Yeah. Did not know what it was. And at that time, you, the first page, there was a picture of Jim Carrey. And I was like, oh my God, one of my idols? Like, yeah. Ace Ventura, like, that changed my life. Like, 20 minutes later, I get another phone call. Hey, it's Jesse. Um, you're in. You're in at the Aspen Comedy Festival as a new face. And they said, now, the, the thing you can't do, though, they're asking me to ask you, you cannot get a manager or an agent before the festival. And now I, I know now that they wanted to create, they wanted, to, the, the festival is starting to run, run out a little bit, and they needed reasons for people to come, and managers and agents to sign this new young guy that no one knows about was a reason. Makes sense. That day, my phone, my voicemail was gone. I got a call from the head of CAA, the head of UTA, the head of every agency, the head of every management company. Shut the fuck up. Messages. They wanted me. Now, I had a website at the time because I'm from Seattle and my friend was a web designer. And so I came down. He's like, 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 I'm not going to send you down there without a website. So he builds a website as a gift, as like a going away gift. And there's a tour page. And I'd always been putting my like little shitty open mics on there. And I'd been asked to do another show at the improv that day. The next day. And so I had my schedule, you know, I only had that show. And um, everyone wanted to sign me. I didn't know what to do because I was told I can't. And so the next night, I just kind of, you know, and you got to realize at the time there were, Dane Cook, his online presence was changing the way the comedy was going. What year is this? Uh, 2006. Six? Okay. And it was, Dane Cook's website and MySpace was changing comedy. Mm Mm-hmm. I had an equivalent website to his because my friend was a genius in Seattle. So people at man- managers and agents were, I heard of a, an assistant that was fired because he didn't know who I was. And the agent was like, why the fuck are you working for me? If you don't know who Nick Thune is gone. <laughs> and, Cause that's, but that's the truth is that the only reason they have assistance is to go, what's happening yeah, out there. Also so unreasonable. I had 15 minutes of material at most. Like yeah. nobody should have known who I was, but I looked like there I am. I've got a website. And so the next day I show up to the, to the improv and immediately Rita and, and, and Jesse pull me around to the back bar and they go, you can't be in there. And they go, it's the most we've ever, this is, we've never seen this in our life. There are people that are going to be waiting in the hallway that are going to come sit down on the ground to watch your set. Holy shit. And as I'm standing back there, Dave Becky comes around the corner and says, hey, let's go across the street and grab a drink. Takes me across the street and he goes, you're going to sign me right now. (laughs) Really? He goes, you're going to sign me right now. And I go, I can't. I'm not supposed to sign anybody. And he goes, 
you, you're, you're going to sign me right now. They can't tell you what to do. Who cares about Aspen? We'll go to Montreal. And I signed him right then. Really? <laughs> because I was scared and I needed him. I needed somebody. Yeah. And then the next day I signed an agent and they still let me come to Aspen. But like I bought that set did not go well, by the way, because I was oh. so my nerves like, you know, it wasn't just me. You you were in, murdered in a moment. Time. In, in the- a moment, it went from me not caring to all of a sudden like, wait a second, I have a career. <laughs> like how you, did it happen that fast? One of those things, one of the things <laughs> I loved I I'm still I th- by the way, this is a, a dick success real quick. What I love right now is that you've matured from that comic that you were as you started. Your story that you told on This Is Not Happening last year is one of my favorite stories. Oh, thanks, I man. think to myself constantly, when I write jokes, I go, I need a part in this joke similar to, what if I have both? That <laughs> That's a very specific, you, you have to know the thing. It, it, yeah. it, in the story... Uh, you have coke and marijuana on you, and, and Percocet, and Percocets, <laughs> and the cop says is a, it'll be a big deal if you had what? What is it? No, he says I go. It's just marijuana, and he goes, son. In Nevada, marijuana having marijuana is the same thing as having cocaine. And I thought in my head, well, what if I have both? <laughs> it's my favorite. And you I know lo- what's so great about that line. Why well, I, I never had said that before. Really? Yeah, I just said it on that show, like that. Oh, that because so... that's when you tell stories on, you know, when you when you get to telling a story on stage. One night, the right mood, the right audience that gives you freedom, you find yourself just speaking how you would talk. Oh, that's that's why I love Ari's show. I'm hosting it next Tuesday yeah. at the store, and I I host it because it allows that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that kill that killed me the thing i loved about what you were doing at that time that you still do but i that, but i really admired was you were very comfortable showing people what your thumbprint looked like without ever looking at other thumbprints meaning like you did the opening of your comedy central presents i'd never seen an opening to a presents mm-hmm. you get a phone call and it's like Bring all you got to do is bring the axe. What is it? Yeah, yeah. Bring your axe. Bring your axe. All right. And you're on like a golf course. You're like, I got to bring the axe. And that's and then you come out with your guitar. It was so great. And I went, no one's doing that. That's him sitting in his thing, going, what do I want to do? And that's one of the things I think that cyclically about this conversation. There was also a stump with an axe on it on stage. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that, that, that I was like, I, I was like, I want to walk out with the axe. And you're like, no, just walk out with the guitar. But I, I remember, like, <laughs> I remember trying to give you advice on a car ride in Ben Glebe's car. Yeah, down to Irvine, probably. And I, yeah, and I, we were coming back from Irvine, and and I remember trying to give you some sort of advice about something, and I remember thinking, don't, don't give him any advice because all your shit is jaded in two kids. Trying to get in at funny bones, trying to get in at improvs on the road, trying to trying to get your your trying to get a special. I think I was trying to like I really wanted to get a special at the time, mm-hmm. and I was like, don't. I was like, I, th- I have a feeling that, and if he does hear you, and if he does respect you, you might fuck his career up. Like, and that sounds so silly, but it's so fu- it's so true to the fact that like my path in this business has always been like, you know. Get on television. That was it. Get on yeah. television. That was the whole thing. Get on television. Sell tickets. And it wasn't until like last year where Segura had to like Burr Rogan, Segura, my best friends, pulled me aside and had an intervention and like get off television. Television's not helping you. 
You are a great stand-up. Do stand-up. Do your podcast, and that's it. Yeah, make the Travel shit, Channel stuff, make shit all that you stuff. you want to sh- do. I mean, tra- I, look, I love Travel Channel. I'd work for them again in a heartbeat down the road sometime when we're, when 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 it makes sense for both our careers. But right now, I'm fucking – I'm happier than I've ever been, and I go – and it's so funny if I had just looked at you guys, that generation just mm-hmm. blow me of like guys that were just coming in when I was when I was kind of starting to find my way, I would have learned so much. Well, it's also about, you know, and this is something that I'm not good at. That's why I wasn't good at business or good at school is at some point assessing things. Okay, what is working? Like what was I doing that actually helped me and has been doing this one thing good or not good? You know, and that. What do you think I'm is working? What do you think that. works in, is working in your career right now? Well, stand up. It's you know that's the yeah. really the thing that comes back to. But acting has been you know I I just had like th- you know three films and different festivals that I got to act in, and it was really great. You, I just um, saw you in something other than that huge fucking commercial campaign you're doing. Yeah, that I don't know what's going to happen with that. I owe them another shoot day, but God, I hope they keep going. It's a it's a pretty sweet gig. That's really cool. Yeah, they've already paid me for that shoot day too, so it's kind of like, oh man. What's that? What's the acting <laughs> stuff you're working on? Well, I did this. I did this movie. Well, I did a few movies, but I did one called Dave Made a Maze. That you know, it's one of those gigs. And I live in I live in I'm Glendale. Switching, I'm switching bourbons. By the way, mm-hmm. I'm definitely tied on a buzz this morning. What time? <laughs> what time you got to get out of here? Uh, I'd say in five to ten minutes. Okay, cool. No, but I I had um. What was I doing? Where was I just going there? Oh, oh the, the, yeah, no, this is kind of the Dave thing. Dave no, made a maze. Dave made a maze is what it's called, and and it was basically no money to work for a month, full time days, some you know, and some weekend shit, and be away, from, you know. But it was shooting in Glendale, so it was like, oh, it's kind of shooting close to my house. Oh, fuck yeah, yeah. Um, oh, here, uh, I'll take a little hit off that, but then my wife's now we're gonna look at a house and she'll be like. Wait, you smell like bourbon. Yeah. Here, you want some ice? No, it's good. It's okay. Good. Um, but no, so, it, you know, I didn't have – I basically said no to the movie first and then was like, wait a minute. Why am I in this town? They're asking me to be a lead in a movie that's very interesting. It all shoots in one stage. It's about a guy that builds a cardboard maze that turns into this crazy labyrinth and the people that come to find him die and all this shit. And it kind of is like this weird like awesome. Indiana Jones kind of kind of thing where I get to play almost an action hero too. And I did it, and then two years go by, kind of forget that it did it, and then all of a sudden, hey, um, Slam Dance, you know, which is like shoots at the same time yeah, as yeah, Sundance, yeah. and, and they like, yeah, they picked this movie up. It's like, you know, both screenings are sold out. It's only two screenings of the whole festival and Slam Dance. You know, and then you're like, oh my God, that paid off. Oh, shit. And so up. I showed up, and then we won the audience award at the festival, and I'm like, you know what? Working for that month on a job with, with all day for no money. You know, you got to kind of tell your wife like, yeah, I know it's, it's real. It's a real movie. Oh, this (laughs) podcast, this podcast, I did did this podcast for probably three years and then all of a sudden we start monetizing it. Love you, Blue Apron. Love you. (laughs) And, and, uh, and, and then all of a sudden my wife's like, whoa, I should start a podcast. I'm like, hold on. I'm like, hang on. I've invested in something that I care about. I love it. I love it. I love it because I get to hang out with my friends, and I don't normally that wouldn't happen. Yeah, you know, like I, you know, 
Um, but but now I, I think Leanne is no joke going to start a fucking podcast. Um, you're a fantastic actor, though. You've always been a really fantastic oh, actor. Well, that's something I worked on. Yeah, I mean, because it's not always true. My, I have an acting coach that I go to that's become a friend. I was a second client, and he just coached John Legend on La La Land. <laughs> really? And he does like you know. Huge... By the way, La La Land is fucking amazing. Oh, it's great, dude! Yeah. I was on a plane. I ju- you just triggered that. I was on a plane and I was like, I should just probably start this out. And I just started watching it. And I was like. Oh, this is why you make movies. Yeah. This is really com- fucking amazing. It's exciting. It's exciting when you see, you know, I love the dialogue in it. I Some of the dancing shit, I'm like, eh, I don't connect to that. But yeah. You know what's so funny, though? I said to myself the other day, um, recently I said to my wife, well, I said it to my agents and my managers, but I was like, I was like, I would be, remiss is the wrong word. I would definitely regret if I died. At 70 years old, whatever I, whatever I might make it to. And I died in Hollywood, and I went, wow, I never made a movie. Oh, yeah. I so, I so, And then, so we took this pitch out, uh, you know, the machine story. We're trying to sell mm-hmm. this movie. Took it to some really great places. Everyone's interested. And then oh, part of me is like, fuck it. Why don't I just see if I can get a Russian oligarch, like a real rich old Russian guy, just to fucking give me $2 million. Just make the movie. Make a fucking movie. You can make a movie. How mm-hmm. hard can it be? You know, super hard. <laughs> <laughs> I've been involved now in enough movies where people were like, super hard. Oh yeah, really, really hard. For- <laughs> and you don't make your money back. Dude, the first movie I made, where I went out to Utah for a month and a half and played a dude in a band, and my name was The Hunted, and these two dudes, these two Mormon fucking brilliant writers, and it just sold last month. This was twelve years ago. Are you serious? It just sold last month to go to go to Asia, like to go to Japan. Shut <laughs> the fuck. But up. like you know, this movie that I, these other two movies that I just did, they one of them just they both just sold, and then the third one I'm, is going to for sure. But you know, and then we, I mean, the movie that I did where I got a call like, "Hey, you need to be in Austin tomorrow, and it's going to be three weeks, and you need to be in this movie." And it's like, uh, you know, no money. They're putting you in an Airbnb that's not going to smell good. They didn't say that, but that's what happened. Yeah. <laughs> and then we won the audience award at South by, and you know there were twelve hundred people watching the movie in a the theater. It was on, and it was amazing. You know, and and I I've I've always like I love being on stage and and people laughing at me, but I think the best thing actually is to be in a theater and just not have to do any work and watch the work that you had once done make people laugh. That's oh, really fun. I bet that is fucking amazing. It's almost like just playing your album and sitting with the audience like, oh, you guys like that, huh? <laughs> so, wait, so wait, how many how many pies do you have cooking in your career right now? A few. And then so I have got, a show that I sold. Stand up. You got, you're doing commercials still. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're movies. acting in movies. And then I'm writing a new movie script, actually. This was, this was actually fun. Like yesterday, I spent all day researching and I got home and Suzanne was like, you know, what would you do today? I was like, I've researched. What does that mean? <laughs> well, I looked up crime and what happened, like, you know, because like, yeah. I'm, re- I'm writing a mystery, a crime mystery kind of a thing with my friend. Um, but man, it's fucking fun, man. Like, yeah. because, it, you know, I see one thing like it's about like the car business and and my dad is in the car business and I sold I sold Subarus when I was 18. Um, and you know, it's just like, it's a fucking fascinating business, but then it's just fun when me and my buddy afterwards were like, God, did we do anything today? And we're like, yeah, well, we got this storyline. Yeah. We thought about this character. Yeah. We got stuff done. Something. Yeah. <laughs> it's a story. Oh, I was laying in bed last night. I shot, I, I, I 
I I was laying in bed last night and I was like watching these uh, these videos where it's like you know trick shot videos. Oh yeah, and they do it one time and they're like, yeah, nailed it. And I had an idea about shooting a video similar to that. And I was like, and I'm laying in bed. And then I'm like, I'm up. I'm writing this down. I'm emailing everybody. We're going to be shooting this next week. All right, fuck it. Like, I love it. That's when something gets in you like that. Yeah. It so, feels so good. Well, to know that you actually do have access to do – I mean, I, 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 the same thing. You're doing your podcast right here like this. And finally, I got enough people like just when I'm on the road and on Twitter, they're like, why don't you have a podcast, man? Yeah, why don't you have a podcast? And so I, I'm starting one with my buddy. It's, gonna, it's called uh, Nick Rutherford. If you know who he is, oh yeah, I know that name. Um, but it's called Instagramification, and it's just gonna, we're going to interview people about their Instagram accounts, and just like you know, so July 2012 looks like you spent about a week with your family. Who's this girl? <laughs> and then, like you know, That's jet diving, really a bit like brilliant. we just thought like the stories we can get out of people. Like just based off a person that's in their photo, like because you know if you were to look at a picture of me and my dad, and then you know five minutes later you're hearing a story about me shitting in a box, you know, with yeah. uh, at first birthday. Well, it's so funny. I, I feel like I feel like I know you. I know what's going on in your life. I feel like I keep up with you because I follow your Instagram. Yeah, and I and I watch. Like I was like I was like God damn it! I want to fucking like you and Owen Benjamin, the two guys where I feel like you guys have families where you guys can have a beer in the middle of the afternoon. Mm-hmm. And my family is not that family. Like <laughs> like we you can, but someone's gonna definitely say something behind your back. Like, <laughs> but like and, and it's so cool. And then I for a period I literally thought you were living in Seattle because I was like I was like did he go back to Seattle? I was like wait, is he going back and forth? Like because Owen disappeared. Well yeah, and so did so did Nate. Yeah, Nate's the yeah. one that told me. He's like hey man. If you don't tell anyone you don't live in L.A. anymore, they'll never know. <laughs> he was like, he's like a legit, and he's doing much bigger things than. than oh, well, because but, he's touring with Chris Rock right now. But I, my he acting, my acting stuff too is like I need to be here, yeah, to go on an audition tomorrow, maybe you know, because I really am. Do you like, like auditioning? I don't care about it anymore. It used to really scare me. I fucking oh, yeah. hate it. You got to get out of here. Yeah, I, it used to really scare me, but. Now I I just realized the reason I was always scared is because I was mostly unprepared. <laughs> oh really? And the second that you actually realize, like, oh, this is a job. I'm not getting paid to go in tomorrow, but I am going to spend five hours on it and yeah. and read it and think about it and consider it, and then I'm going to go and spend a hundred bucks and meet with my acting coach for an hour. You know, which it I don't like acting classes because it I I, I it, it embarrasses me. I mean, I embarrass myself, but then other people embarrass me. Like, what you're doing is fucking embarrassing, man. Yeah. And so, for me, my acting classes, when I get an audition, the work that I put into that is what I learn from. So, you know, the work that I go and pay my, I'm paying for an acting class to go work with my acting coach to figure out a role for Deadpool 2 that I'm probably not going to get because I'm not famous enough. Yeah. You know, but then, then you hear like, wow, you're actually, there, there's, it's between three guys and you're one of them. And you're like, oh, wow. And then they're like, the next day, well, they went with a famous guy. I'm like, of course, yeah. yeah. But hey, <laughs> but it's, it's good. It's going to happen to somebody. Yeah, it's going to happen. But at some point, there's going to be a role in a movie where like, hey, we've got enough famous people in this movie. Let's just give this one out to whoever we think the best is. Oh, I was talking to a guy over at Universal or Warner Brothers. That's something that might be the same thing. NBC Universal. Mm-hmm. And he was like, you know, uh, we're always looking for someone to be funny. Someone who can do something different. And I was like, oh, that's me. I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, if you're looking for me exactly, I can give you that. 
Man, Nate is that's so smart of all these because a lot of people are asking Nate to open for him, and it's because he's clean. Yep, and funny, dude. He is so, f- and that's all they want to follow. Yep. Like when I'm on the road, people will be like, you know, they don't like. I don't want somebody that's shitty opening for me. It ruins yep. my shows. Absolutely. I, I, I well, I, I'm a little bit far on the sliding scale of like I, I would try to. Uh, support local comedy oh i always do so i'm like i'm like whoever you guys got who's really good put them in no i i haven't sent me four youtube videos and at least four people i want two guys and two girls and i want to and i'll pick out of those yeah. and i always love i every every show i'm doing on this tour there's a local guy in the beginning of the show yeah um or a girl or whatever but you know i want them to be funny yeah I'm never I, scared of that i definitely want them to be funny i i and i think i've grown so much as a comic that there's nothing there that's going to be in their act that's going to be similar to mine because I'm, I'm only talking about burt kreischer yeah so but yeah well let me let you get out of here yeah yeah, yeah. you gotta go look at that house um the tour is called <laughs> gotta go look to buy a house guys yeah. come come pay to see me on tour <laughs> no i'm telling you right now we all want to buy you, houses, you are right? someone i would <laughs> definitely go see pay to see live you are so funny and and the the growth you've had comedically like that last I'm, I'm i'm just speaking out of that from seeing that one story was so phenomenal i literally Thanks, was sitting back going fuck man cuz i know what had to happen for you to get there oh and i told my friend i when i when you tweeted that you tweeted or you wrote sorry maybe you posted on facebook or something yeah, i posted it on twitter i was like this is the best story out of life and then i i said happening. to my my office mate who was there i go dude a guy that's told possibly one of the best stories just said this is one of the best stories. Oh, dude, it's the best story that because he'd seen. Year. I'd shown him the machine like two weeks before that. Yeah. I couldn't believe how many views that had on Facebook, man. I know, right? You know it's- what? I, I based off that, I told Brian Volkweis over at New Wave um, for my last special because I have a twenty, I have a twenty-five or thirty-minute story that I open my special with that's yeah. flawless. I believe it's flawless. Yeah. And I said, if you want to sell this special. You put that on Facebook. I'm sending you a link to Burt Kreischer's. You got to see, and fucking CISO and New Wave wouldn't do it. And I go, you're, I go, you know, you're on the wrong side of history here because yeah. that's what sells, dude. I'll tell you right now, if you're out there listening to this, feel free. Uh, what has happened is kids are ripping that story, not meaning like saving it and posting it to their timeline and reposting it. If you want to do that, feel free. I give two shits. Who cares? Yeah, and someone's like, we need to get them to take that down. I go. It's got 19 million views from another kid. Yeah. On 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 just today, I was like, "What the fuck's happening?" Because I'm getting a bunch of followers. Some other kid stole it. It got 11 million views yesterday. I'm like, dude, I have a fucking one on from Travel Channel that they posted that has 120 million views, and I'm like, dude, everyone, please feel free, steal it, post it. Is that over the population at this point? <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> Technically, everyone should know who I am. <laughs> Dude, thanks for having me. Uh, NickThune.com, proud of myself tour. Yeah, I hope people come. No, people will definitely come. All right. I love you, brother. Thanks. This episode was brought to you by The Machine.